Welcome to Spirit Connection with Doug Addison. Get ready to hear God, encounter the supernatural, and discover your destiny. Doug is a prophetic speaker, author, and coach whose message of love, hope, and having fun reaches people around the world. Connect with him online at DougAddison.com. Hey, everybody, Doug Addison. Welcome to Spirit Connection Podcast. So glad you can join us again this week. I really appreciate our followers and those who tune in and follow us on social media and my website. Thank you so much for all that you do for us. You know, I've got a special guest this week who's a really good friend of mine as well as an amazing apostolic prophetic voice whose messages of social reform actually impact the entire world. He and his wife, actually, his name is Johnny Enlow. I'll just tell you right now, but he and his wife are great friends of ours, and they are international conference speakers and authors. Uh, He wrote the book, The Seven Mountain Prophecy, which, by the way, radically changed my life, and The Seven Mountain Mantle. That's talking about the seven mountains and how to impact the entire world with it. They have a passion to awaken this generation. And, you know, we're talking about how to hear the voice of God and discover your destiny. And I believe those things go hand in hand. And Johnny and Elizabeth share the same DNA, and God is moving around the world right now. And I was so excited when Johnny was available to come and share on the podcast because he has some prophetic words that really release life over you. And that's what I'm excited about right now. And I'm excited to introduce Johnny Enlow, my good friend. Hey, Johnny, how you doing? Hey, Doug. I'm doing so well. It's such a privilege to be with you. And uh, so excited uh, about this season and so excited about being able to connect with you because whenever we do connect, you know, additional sparks come out that we weren't even expecting as well. So that's always good. Yeah, I'm always excited as well. We seem to be on the same page, even though we live close to each other in L.A. uh, And we've gotten together from time to time. But, you know, we text each other right at the right time, that Kairos moment, you know, and find out that God's saying the same thing. I'm so excited about that. No, that really is uh, so true and uh, end up having people, you know, they'll read a word of mine that said, you see, Doug, he was saying the same, uh, the same thing and, and, uh, or, or, you know, and it was released uh, the same day or something like that. And for fact, I was just telling you before we got started here is like recent word you had on, on new songs of the Lord coming, just things the Lord had been speaking to me on that. And so we do find that we seem to be, uh, dialed in to the very similar channel on the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. I love that. Well, uh, tell us a little bit about your ministry. Well, uh, Elizabeth and I, of course, we're based out of California here, and we were senior pastors for 14 years. And about four years ago, the Lord had us come out to California, and um, he said it was time to come to a state that had been misunderstood, mis, uh, misperceived, prophesied into the sea, and all kinds of other things. And he said he was going to do a great thing in this state that was not only going to change the United States of America, but would end up changing even the whole world, that the seven mountains of California would be under his overhaul. And we were to come and encourage those rising the mountains, you know, the seven mountains media, family, arts and entertainment, economy, religion, education, government. It's an expanded understanding of where the kingdom of God is supposed to show up, not just in church, the four walls of the church, 
but that the kingdom of God, uh, fully empowered with, with solutions and, and the light to displace darkness is available for those areas of society as well. And he just walked me through even the history of California and how it has been that which has been the lead domino in many ways, you know, the pioneer nation for so many things, and, and really that which is, has released moves of God, whether it's the mountain of religion or uh, the mountain of arts and entertainment. We have the Hollywood here as sort of the top of the mountain there, and Silicon Valley, the top of the mountain of the mountain of economy. And so mountain by mountain, able to see that this state was a place uh, set up by God to to receive advanced promised land interaction and insights. And so we came here four years ago. And so what we do is, uh, you know, I've you mentioned a couple of the books, and I've written a total of seven books. They really all have to do with the theme of transformation, reformation of society, the God of all life, the God that's more than available for every area of society. And um, so we travel a, a lot, and we we uh, minister that way, and um, and we do what we can on online as well. And uh, but it's it's just an exciting season. Yeah, for the body of Christ and for us. So yeah, I agree. Yeah. It's when you can. That's a convergence. You know, that's what I call true convergence. Is when we can get in line with what God is doing on earth as it is in heaven. That's when we converge. It's just exactly the truth, you know. And it's and some people can miss the convergence and and miss the good news of what's taking place because there is also there is bad news and there is the distraction from the enemy. Uh, being beat up and, and how he counterpunches. And, and at times the body of Christ will overrate the counterpunches of the enemy as being some something other than what it is. At times we're really looking at aspects of the enemy that are dying. It's sort of like the chicken with its head cut off. He does a final kick that's more more powerful than any kick. You know, a chicken will kick its strongest kick after it's dead. And there are some things the enemy is doing. They are the really evidence is that he's being beheaded and uh, he's doing some kickbacks. And at times the body of Christ over responds, overreacts to it. And, and uh, we, we can get into unnecessary angst and panic. And, and I think that's one reason we always uh, connect so easily, Doug, is we, there's a requirement really for prophetic voices and prophetic eyes to rise above the fray of all the distractions of all the, you know, the, the counter punches and the the works of the enemy, and really to be able to see from above the clouds what's his perspective, what's God's doing, what's the kingdom doing, and um, it, it requires you know the effort of staying in, enough in His presence and enough in in touch with His narrative to to be able to perceive from that higher place. It's you know it's the same thing as Caleb going into the promised land that was filled with giants, filled with the sons of Anak, filled with everything but which seemed like fruit, but yet to discover in the midst of it the hidden hidden fruit. And the kingdom of God is like a treasure hidden in a field. And so I think our prophetic assignment is to discover the treasure and declare that treasure to the body of Christ and allow the body of Christ the the, the opportunity to march to the rhythm, to the joy of the treasure in the field and not worry about the field, not worry about the mud, the dirt, that's that's there. And I think when when we can look at the, the treasure of what he's been doing in the last year or so and of where it's going, 
it's really something we can we can be very excited about. Yeah, wow. You know, that is so many good analogies in what you just said, uh, that the enemy's, you know, kicking back right now. Even though he might be dead, he's kicking back. And there are so many things that we might not see because it depends on how you focus and things like that. But I know yeah. that you have a gift to be able to bring people in to, I guess, uh, bring them into a laser focus of where they are on the roadmap with the Lord. Because I know that happened with me when I read your book in 2012. It put me on the roadmap and gave me encouragement. I know you have this gift. So is God speaking to you anything specific right now? Yeah, Doug, you know, and I'm sure you've covered it and many have covered it, but we will just restate it. Such an amazing year this year, 2017. It is 500-year celebration since the Reformation, the Great Reformation, called the Great Reformation, the Protestant Reformation, 500 years ago in October, when Martin Luther nailed 95 Thesis on, on the door and, and um, really unleashed a whole, uh, uh, what was called a Reformation. And um, in the light of what we look at as Reformation now, it, it's, it's um, really minor, but it was major for the time. And, and so it being the 500-year mark is a is a big deal. Um, there is uh, maybe on the on the Reformation aspect, I'll just uh, say that you know I think what what was contended for then was how shall we then be saved? You know how do you get saved? Is it through works and indulgences and paying uh, this and that to the church plus the blood of Jesus, or is it just the blood of Jesus? And so really through the initial act of Martin Luther, it, it allowed the body of Christ to, to claim, um, I say once and for all, it still, is, it still is fought over from time to time, but it's fought for the, the fact that, you know, salvation is Jesus and the blood of Jesus only, not the blood of Jesus plus something else, plus good behavior, plus the Ten Commandments. No, access to heaven is entirely through faith in Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus. He did it all. And so that is what this 500-year period has finally secured for the body of Christ. Again, with, with a few uprisings here and there, trying to combine it with legalism and other things as well. But I believe we're now entering into an even greater Reformation, Reformation 2.0, where it's how shall we then live, uh, where it was how do, we, you know, how do we assure our eternal existence. It was still outwardly focused of where we're going. It is now, how do we get back to the original assignment of Jesus, his very first message, uh, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It was all about how can the kingdom show up on earth? And he's, uh, blessed are you who are hunger and thirsty for righteousness. The kingdom of God is here for you. And, and he wanted to help us inherit the earth. You know, before he ever talked to us about inheriting heaven, he came, Jesus in the flesh, his first message was trying to get us to understand the kingdom of heaven is at hand and it works for matters that relate to earth. And so he, first of all, showcased that with power and authority over blind eyes and paralytic bodies and demons. And he says, you know, the kingdom of God is here. And he's like, he followed that on in Matthew chapter five of, yeah, if, you, if you're sick and tired of injustice, my kingdom answers to that. And then he went on the same message. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. And establishing the fact that he wasn't just trying to figure out how to rescue people from a difficult earth and zap them up to heaven, but his whole emphasis and his first message 
was I have this kingdom of power and presence, and it's available to function here on earth, and I'm looking for sons and daughters willing to carry this with me right now. And and so and he's like, and if you're not the salt, if you won't be the salt, you will be trampled on. If the salt has lost its favor, flavor and favor and savor, whichever version of the Bible you have, it is good for nothing but to be trampled upon and cast out. And so we've seen that dynamic is as the enemy has been able to convince the church through really uh, weird doctrines, uh, distortions on eschatology and other things, he'll go into seminaries so that out of seminaries he'll have pastors and leaders trained to keep the church only involved in church activities, and for another paradigm, keep us only on the mountain of religion. And so to the degree we have remained only on a one mountain focus, the other mountains have gone into progressive rot. And so we'll see corruption in government. We'll see Jezebel uh, unleashed through arts and entertainment. We'll see humanism unleashed in education. Uh, uh, You know, the distortion that comes out of the media, Apollyon and Leviathan. And so we see these things have happened there in the absence of the church embracing it as a mission field. So the seven mountain message, the seven mountain mandate we carry is really a message that our mission field is beyond church and church people. It is into every area of society, and that the reason that evil is progressing, or has progressed, the reason evil has had the foothold it has, is because we have been convinced, even through eschatologies, through doctrines, uh, through teachings, to stay out of it, like just to hang on, wait for the rapture to come, and so just try to get a few people saved, and then let's leave. But that was not Jesus' first message. His first message, his first passion is, I have a kingdom. And, and you're called to be the light of all the earth. And he explained the light. It wasn't like your testimony of Jesus. He says, a city on a hill cannot be hidden, but you put the light on a candlestick. Immediately, they would understand that they had seven branches that connects to the seven mountain message we, we talk about, the seven spirits of God, the seven lights, the seven colors of the rainbow, the seven mountains of society, that he is the God of all life. He is fully capable, uh, sufficient, and available to bring solutions, anointing, presence, power into every area. And so that this is a time as never before, this is why I believe 2017 is so significant, because we're hitting this 500-year mark of Reformation 2.0 being kicked off, and we've already gone to preliminaries of this age of Reformation. It has already started, but also, as you probably know, it's 50 years since Jerusalem in 1967, surprisingly, Jerusalem came back under Israel domain, just shocking everyone, shocking powers, principalities, nations. It had been under Jordan before. There had been no discussion of Israel uh, even being able, thinking of taking over because they were friendly. But Jordan had been, uh, we'll say, deceived by the other nations, Arab nations that were attacking Israel, say, well, if you want part of what we're taking right now, you need to start attacking yourselves. And so they began shooting from over the walls uh, of Jerusalem. And so when the Israelis saw that they were being attacked, they just went after them. And and with no pre-planned idea for it happening, all of a sudden they found themselves back with Jerusalem under under their banner for the first time in 2,000 years. And it, it was just uh, massively significant in the spirit. The 1967 times when we had a move of God, you know, the the Jesus movement uh, and all that. And so we're hitting that that time period right now. And so this the, these back to back 50 year markers, 500 year markers tell us that this is 
a very uh, significant time. And so some things I believe are being released and are about to be released over us in, in this in this summer. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like a convergence. That's what I I kept getting that word. You know, this is a time. You know, like like you just said, boy, the Reformation happened five hundred years ago. Uh, the fifty now the five is a is a number of grace. So God is extending grace right now. He really is, and and uh, you know, I think you had been shown something too. I didn't get it further developed with you, but I was. I have this prophetic word that I have have written up but I have not yet sent out about this this summer being the summer of the dove, that 50 years ago was the summer of love. And, um, and there was, you know, there was simultaneously the Jesus movement, but there was something in society as well. There was new songs that came out, and it was called the summer of love. And a lot of it came out, uh, you know, in distortions, as, as will often happen when there is really something heaven is right wanting to do on earth, but the church doesn't participate, doesn't cooperate with what he's trying to deposit, doesn't become the new wineskin for the new wine, and so the new wine comes anyway, and it just falls on whoever's receiving it. And and so there was an understanding even in society that we needed to be more authentic, more real, and, and there's something of a revisiting of that happening a jubilee of that right now, a revisiting of that taking place where there is a demand, even by the next generation, those called even the millennials, you know, there's uh, there's much talk about how they're not going to church, but if they follow through on their studies, it's not because they're less spiritually minded. They're much more spiritually minded than our generation, actually, but they're finding a real disconnect between the way the, the church in general operates and with what they consider true spiritual values of community and intimacy and and forgiveness and love and non-judgmentalism. And so I believe there is something coming, uh, Doug. This is what I've been getting for. uh, for, It's like, I think it really, it picks up. I think it's already on the way, but this Pentecost, I believe Pentecost, if I have it right, is June 4th, at least the way it's celebrated in Israel. June 4th is Pentecost. And uh, I believe there's a real release of the Holy Spirit, and where we're going to really sense it is in in our in our worship songs, in our in our music songs. You know, I I don't know if you've noticed this, Doug, but I've seen that for for a long time. You know, the worship songs will often be ten, fifteen, sometimes even twenty years ahead of the body of Christ. They'll be declaring where we're going. And I, you know, I remember back, wow, how long ago was it? Thirty years ago. Kevin Prosh and and raise up an army, um, Joel's army. I forget the rest of the words. Right yeah, now, we are the coming. army of God. Yeah, and, and it was and there's, the days will come when the plowman will overtake the reaper. You're singing to prophetically to the future. I felt like the Holy Spirit's been speaking to me. It's not to knock the songs that are out there. There's been some catchy songs, but that we've lost we've lost the prophetic element in 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 the songs in the worship songs, and part of it is. It's become easy to find, to develop the formula. Uh, and so there is like the catchy songs in the Christian circles. They've figured out, you know, how to how to produce something that's easy listening and has sort of a guaranteed audience. But they've missed out because of it. We've missed out on, on what's available. But what's going to be released, uh, I believe, starting Pentecost is the next level of songs that we need. They, they become the, you know, the soundtrack 
for, you know, every good movie has a good soundtrack. And so the soundtrack carries it. So there's the soundtrack for the body of Christ right now as we get released into this Reformation 2.0. It's a move of God. You can call it revival. It's a visitation of God, a visitation of the Holy Spirit. But this visitation is coming with some new songs. And so that there is, there's going to be a release of this new wine for the psalmist. And, and those that are willing to take the time with them and willing to think outside the lines, think outside the box, and, and, and not, be, not be afraid of if this is not going to hit their target audience, you create, I believe the Lord's call, calling for the psalmist to, to create a new target audience and not just say, well, will these people like this? But really, as people will spend an hour, two hours, you know, worshipers come, that, that can write psalms, write songs, if they'll get together and give the first hour to God and just go to a high place that I can literally, as I'm speaking, I see like just elevated place in the spirit where there's these, they're golden notes, they're golden lyrics, but you can't get them just by hanging here on the earth. You got to go up there. You got to go in his presence. You got to give the the sacrifice of praise to him who is uh, the king of the reformation, the king of revival, the king of it all. And as we do that, there's going to be this uh, availability of connecting to the songs that will testify of what God is about to do, how He is going to fill the whole earth with the knowledge of His glory. And we've been we've been singing songs, you know, on and they're good songs. On uh, we got a good Father, He loves us, and and they've been good at establishing uh, who He is over us right now today. But they haven't been things that have captured where we're going. They've not done. Uh, do justice to the majesty of who our God is. And more than, more than I can even uh, say, Doug, there's, I just feel like there's, and I think you were speaking into as well, you may have some more on it right now, but there's just something coming in songs and in sounds that is designed to carry the body of Christ and really society itself to this next place. Wow, we're so much on the same page. And that was a heavenly encounter I had in which oh, well. I heard um, this new music, this new sound in heaven that opened things up on earth. Wow. And um, and I really love what you said about the, uh, you know, this is going to be uh, like the like the, the banner that's going to open things up after Pentecost. And the millennials, too, by the way, when you said that, I'm like, oh, wow, I was just preparing for a webcast about how to reach people. We're, you know, I've been studying about the millennials. I know that because my daughter's one of them, you know, our daughter, our families are. And it's that group of people that, that the church really doesn't think they can reach, but you hit it on the head. They are not what we think, you yeah. know, and that the, that they are really open. What they're looking for is something like Jesus. Yeah. And for those who don't know, millennials are probably about 17 to 37 and are a large part of our population. And God's about to move. And I'm so excited that God's going to do something this summer starting at Pentecost. Wow, how amazing. It really is. And, you know, I, I, I do think, and even as you're speaking, I just felt just a new, uh, you know, joy from the Lord, because it's true. I think much of the church is despaired at seeing, you know, the, the millennials, one of the things that's marked them is they, they've committed to being more heart people than head people and more, uh, more you know, relationally minded than, than principle minded. And so in and maybe they, they maybe have made an overcorrection from our generation. Our generation was so much about principles, and, and, and then sometimes when you're overly principled, you be, you're, it's more about image. 
And so it, it sounds like principles, but it's really image. And then next thing you know, it's really pretend. And it's really, uh, it ends up being the clothing of the Pharisees, a lot of it. And so they're, they're casting off all of that. And so in doing so, you know, they've, they've caused our generation to panic a little bit because they've thrown away uh, certain, uh, you know, restraints that just seemed automatic for us before as they explore which, what is authentic and what is true and what is real. But as I've communed with the Lord on it, he's not panicked about them at all. He's not panicked that they have overcorrected in some ways because he says, you know, their, their, their willingness, their desire to live from the heart uh, gives me more to work with than with your generation before, because a lot of you were so committed to living out of your head. He says, I have a hard time really uh, fomenting a move of God out of people living out of their head, but I can foment a move of God out of people living out of their heart. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I like to say that our generation, we're, what I'm talking about, you know, we're, I'm in my 50s, but we're, we basically are guardians of the truth or our own beliefs, and that's what we've been known for. But this yeah. new generation that's rising up is not limited to anything, but it's, they are actually pursuers of the truth and not guardians. And so because they pursue, they develop relationships, they, they believe that all things are possible. They are now growing up in the Internet age. Oh, my goodness, we're sitting on something so big. You're encouraging me, Johnny. No, it really, it is. It's to be encouraged about because another reason they have been living, it's not to justify them leaving church, but another reason is because we've been carrying back to the point I was making of uh, a broken down eschatology, doctrine of the end times. But what's so often uh, the message coming from our our churches is, again, this thing of last days, try to get something done as quick as possible because he's coming. And and meanwhile, this next generation, the millennials, and then uh, I have a daughter that's even younger than that, and so we're not even sure what that next generation is, is called, but they're, they're wired to believe that society can be changed. They're wired to believe the whole world can be impacted. They don't have this us versus them mindset that we grew up with in the church. They're like, no, we're all just in the same, we're just all in the same world. And, and so they don't draw lines in the sand like we do. And so they're wired for reformation. They're wired for transformation. They're wired to receive from something from God that they believe is not just to give us another year or two for, for souls to be saved, but so that we can head to the end game of Habakkuk 2.14. The whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. So they're they're actually contending with without even stating that they have a different eschatology, they are manifesting through their life their willingness to contend for for something different. So they resonate with the message we give on the on the seven mountains that God is ready to show up in every area of society, that He's ready to come on His sons and daughters, and He's ready to show what He looks like in media, what He looks like in family, what He looks like in arts and entertainment, what He looks like in in the economy, what He looks like in education what he looks like in government, and he's ready for his sons and daughters to carry his image into every area and to bring wholesale change. And so I'm really excited about the millennial and whatever, the next generation after the millennials, how I see them wired by God to receive this uh, this new wine and this new oil from heaven that I really think is is 
the next level of outpouring is this Pentecost. Yeah. You know, he just continues to pour and pour, and there's something fresh coming this Pentecost. Yeah, that's encouraging. I haven't heard that, but I felt it in my spirit. And, you know, one thing that I've noticed is that, um, just like you're saying, they're wired for this. It's not, it's not limited to an, to an age group or anything like that. But, you know, everywhere I go, if I go speak at churches and things, I've been telling people, listen, if you have kids or grandkids or you know anybody that's, you know, maybe grew up in the church or away from God or they— they're not interested. Don't worry. I really believe it's by design. God is saving them for a new move that won't fit in the old wineskin. Had they come in early, I've got a daughter who's 33, and had she come in early, it would blow things up. But God's about to do something new, and we're going to see them come on the scene at the right time, at the right place. It'll be the family of God, not just the young people movement or anything like that. So, I, I, that's why I like your message, Johnny, about the seven mountains, because it includes family. Oh, most definitely. It's all about family being touched and reached. And and I'm, Doug, just I'm remembering your message as well of recent years. You know, you're, you're under a full expectation of God coming uh, into and upon those who are not necessarily those the church would be excited to have in their ranks and to uh, the unlovely and to those marked still by by sin and rejection and woundedness. And of course, that's where you would expect the Holy Spirit to come and fall on. And so I think, you know, there, there was a, a need for a new generation to arise that, that so uh, downplayed, you know, the rules, we'll say, the rules of Christianity, which is what the millennials get accused of, is so downplaying the rules of Christianity, that they, they're ready to embrace and receive whosoever will, that you're okay. Somebody can be in process for a few months. They can be saved and not instantly be done and healed with all their junk. They, there's a period of time they can uh, you know, still show signs of falling from time to time, and we don't throw them out. You know, kind of our generation, we're like, yes, we'll receive anybody, but in the first week, you better cut out all all junk, all sin, all everything, and you better not show any evidences of it, or we're going to have you removed and chase you out and put a sign on the door that we're a holy church. And so we're really having to recognize that God is coming uh, for— a, Speaking of families, you know, there's so much brokenness in families, so much rejection has has sown and done its work in so many families and woundedness. And so there's so much brokenness. And we as as the church have to realize that a, a broken generation, rules don't fix a broken generation. A move of God does. Love does. And that's, you know, it's back to the days of Jesus, John 3, 16. It didn't say for Jesus or for God so needed to remind the world of their sins that he sent Jesus and to remind them again. That was not the problem. The problem was not that there was so much sin because people had forgotten the rules. The Pharisees had made sure everybody knew the rules, the original Ten Commandments, and they had added, you know, another eight or nine hundred of them. So they were fully engaged with rules, but they were it was an evil, sinning generation because there wasn't a move of God. There wasn't presence. There wasn't Holy Spirit. There wasn't love. And so it's for God so loved the world, he sent his only son. So whosoever will believe in him can then receive the next dimension of, of who he is for them. And then for us now, you know, it's, it's really receiving 
the presence of God at another level. And I, I just, I think what we have not understood is that when we, when we were willing to make room for the next level of love of God, in that next level of love is the next level of power. And we keep wanting the power, but we don't realize that we have to embrace the next level of love. And in that love, we have to be willing to do the things that Jesus did, which is become known as a friend of sinners, uh, to be ill thought of by the religious leaders of the day because we're committed to loving sinners. And then we're at peace as Jesus was, you know, with the woman caught in adultery. He he didn't take advantage of the moment to say, yes, this is a good time for me to go ahead and make proclamation to society, like cut out the adultery like this woman. Or, you know, you get your sin gets judged. Instead, he's he chases off all the accusers. And then he's like, woman, who who is accusing you? Where are your accusers? And she looks around and says, well, they're gone. And, he's, and he, he didn't, didn't shift. And he go, well, now that they're gone, let me remind you about Leviticus. No, he didn't. He's like, woman, neither do I condemn you. Then it was he empowered her, go and sin no more. He didn't tell her even to go and sin no more, which wasn't, again, it wasn't a message. It wasn't a message for an hour on, on the Ten Commandments. It was like, you are now empowered to do that. Why? Because she had encountered unconditional love. And we keep having this role, and I'll stop talking on this, uh, Doug, our time might be closed up, but I think we keep getting our roles backwards. We keep telling the Holy Spirit, listen, Holy Spirit, we'll tell the world about their sins, and you love them. And he keeps saying, no, why don't we do it the way I say in the scriptures? I will convince the world of their sins. Why don't you do the loving, and I'll convince them of their sins. And I think if, if we can finally commit, and I think this next generation, I think the millennials that come to the Lord are more wired and more willing to carry this core heart of God. It's like, we bring the love, and we have the patience for the Holy Spirit to come in, and the Holy Spirit to do the convincing of sin that needs, needs to be done. But I think all that's coming in. So I'm not, it's not a complaint we're making or I'm making. It's like, this is the shift coming on us now, and, and the new soundtracks from heaven that are coming in are going to help us get there. Wow. Wow. I'm, I'm like ready to yell amen, and I just, come on, let's go. I'm so excited. I really love the just the timeline you put uh, with us as something's going to happen after Pentecost. I, I hadn't heard that specifically, but it really resonates into my spirit. There's the things about the new sounds in heaven that's going to line this up, and that's the way other Reformations have happened, other reforms. And also, Reformation 2.0, how good is that? I am so excited. Well, why don't you just release a prayer over us? Yeah. Amen. All right. Well, Lord, I just thank you for this time uh, together we've had with all these that are listening online, Lord. And I just pray that right now your presence would be released even over the airwaves, Lord, that they would begin to able to feel your power come on them now, physically on their bodies, Lord, that they would experience the excitement of heaven over this new season, over this, this new thing that's coming, Lord, this new outpouring, the next level of outpouring. You said in the last days you will pour out of your spirit, and it's not just a one-time pour, pouring out. You poured out last Azusa Street, and there's another outpouring coming now. You pour out, and you pour out, and you pour out. And I believe, Lord, even for those listening on this podcast, Lord, I believe you are allowing them to experience, even as they are listening right now, to experience a foretaste of what's coming, what is right around the corner, what is presently in some level of release, but that which will go to the next level 
even as Pentecost fully comes upon us. And Lord, I just ask that you would baptize them anew in your Holy Spirit, that the psalmist and the songwriters and the minstrels and, and all those that carry sounds in some way, the prophetic sounds into churches or out of churches, wherever they are, that even right now they would begin to experience in their spirits just the excitement and that which begins to hold the coming, the new wine that's coming that will release even again. I want to keep hearing the new soundtrack from heaven for the Reformation 2.0 that's coming. Lord, I just thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we've been talking with Johnny Enlow. Johnny, tell us how we can stay in touch with you. Well, um, our website is johnnyandelizabeth.com. And uh, there we have really all our books. We have seven books, and they all speak into the coming days. You know, uh, my last book is Seven Mountain Renaissance, Vision and Strategy Through 2050. And so uh, we believe the Lord has shown us some of the changes that are coming in all the seven mountains and all of society that by the year 2050, we're going to have 50 nations on the planet that are operating at a significant scale to the light of the sons of God. Now, that takes such faith to believe but I'm telling you, I believe we're in such intense shifting days. That's why it's hard even to uh, uh, to go through what we're going day by day. People, it's so intense what's happening. And there are so many shakings taking place that at times we can't, is this good? What's happening or not good? But it really is good. It's all headed for even that which is greater. But that's a, a, a book and resource I strongly recommend for understanding of where we're headed, where we're going. And furthermore, it'll just encourage you uh, in an incredible way. And so that's, that's a, you know, that's johnnyandelizabeth.com is a great place to, to get our books. Elizabeth will be coming out with a, a new book, her first solo book later in the year on the four seasons of our soul and um, just your seasons with God. And it's just so full of insight. People are really going to love that when, when that's released. We haven't even announced it anywhere, but that's a good way to connect with us. And of course, Facebook, Johnny Enloe, uh, I'm re- always releasing uh, prophetic words and, and, and things like that via that means. And so I, I invite you to come join me there as well. Yeah. Well, you know what? I'm glad you mentioned about your book, you know, about the 50-year strategy. And so, you know, I'll be honest. Some people contact me. They know that we're friends. They go, what's this thing about the 50 years? And I go, you know, <laughs> Prophet Bob Jones, the late Prophet Bob Jones has been speaking that word for years and the Lord gave him that, uh, you know, the the hundred year strategy that started yeah. in 1950 when when Israel became a state and the healing movement and, and there was going to be a big move of God every decade. And he nailed these things. I mean, he when he wow. released that prophetic word, when he released it back in the 80s, you know, he said in the year um, in the year 2000s that there will be gold and gemstones and things. And that's what really appeared. I mean, there was real evidence. And I'm a firm believer that God is going to do something. We don't know what it's going to look like, but you know, we're going to be involved and you know, it's just going to, it's good to get a strategy. It's good to hear these things. And to hear someone who carries an apostolic prophetic anointing who cares about people. And that's Johnny and Elizabeth. I really love you guys. Well, thank you so much, uh, Johnny, for being on the broadcast. Well, it's been a real privilege Doug, and, and just uh, look forward to ongoing interaction with you and, and towards the excitement of this com- coming season. Yeah, I'm excited. All right, everybody. Bless you. See you next time. 
Thanks for listening to Spirit Connection with Doug Addison. Connect with him online at DougAddison.com.